When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. I'm in this relationship that I know is going nowhere, but I'm refusing to read the writing on the wall because I'm so afraid to lose something that I've committed so much of myself to that I feel like it's even become my identity and I've probably lost myself in this relationship. I am too afraid to start over. Hey everyone, welcome to Human to Human, a Revolt Network podcast. This episode of Human to Human is empowered by Penguin Random House and Always Black. Today's special guest is TV personality, podcaster, and the first Black lead of the Bachelorette franchise, Rachel Lindsay. Rachel and I got human to human about the relationship she was in before going on The Bachelor, how writing her latest book, Real Love, gave her an opportunity to explore the what-ifs, and how she is working through and preparing to be a mother soon. Now, while I was reading her book, Real Love, which is a nonfiction book, by the way, I couldn't keep track of how many times I awed, LOL'd, and had reflections of my own. So I say all that to say that the book is so, so good. Before each episode, I like to share a song to add to your playlist, a book to check out, and a reflection question inspired by the episode. So here we go. This week's song of the week is Real Love by Mary J. Blige. I was going to keep going, but y'all get it. This episode's book is Real Love by today's guest. And while you're listening, reflect on this question. Is there an area in your life that you are stuck in the plan and too scared to explore because of fear? Now, if you reflect on this question and you say, "Mm, I've explored the other option and it's not for me, then cool. But the purpose is to give yourself the permission to explore because there could be a surprise waiting for you. Now, let's get human to human with Rachel Lindsay. Definitely have to start by saying you and I have a very dear mutual friend, Shanae Gumake. That is my oh my gosh yes that is my girl Janae. yes and she was like oh my everybody god everybody loves gonna... Janae. oh no go ahead no I said everybody loves Chanae she's so much fun she's so great yes she is she's the best she was like you're gonna love her oh my god you guys are talking like it was so cute <laughs> so I love that moment and you're from Texas I'm a Houston girl you're a Dallas girl oh wait do y'all know each other from Cyprus girl no we met in L A oh and then wow. the Houston well, connection we were like oh we need to keep this. What part of Houston? I so I lived in A Leaf until I was fifteen, and then I moved to Sugarland. Okay, my ex, my ex is from A Leaf. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, oh, that gives me stories. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was for five years. All right? Okay, you're talking about ex. Okay, well, that brings me immediately into the story. I love that actually. <laughs> okay, let me first tell you that real love was so entertaining. Like I haven't written or excuse me, I haven't read a not a fiction book that I was LOLing and genuinely hearing the like black girl experience, the nuance, the girl girl friendship, the relationship between the mom and daughter, the sister. I was like, I mean, the amount of LOLs are like, "Uh because the times I was listening, I mean, you, I have like an interesting sleep pattern. So like I would start listening to the book at like 6 a.m. and do six to like mm-hmm. seven or, you know, it would be my wrap of bedtime and nine to 10. And I'm like, this is gorgeous. And I could, I knew it was because it was just going and it was like, I was experiencing and I was like, oh, okay. It's time for me to get into my real love. So I just want to shout out to you because it was a really fun experience. Thank you so much. That means a lot. I, I, that's what I want people. I want them to go on you know, this roller coaster. I wanted it to be light and easy, whatever you're doing, whether you're in the bed, you're on the beach, yeah. you can just pick up this book and read it and relate to it in some kind of way. But I love that you could hear the black girl voice in it because yes. that was very important to me. Yes. Oh my God. It was, I was like, wait, this is so cute. Like I would really be thinking about my friends and our meetings. and our, So anyway, love that. And I know you've mentioned before that you had some help with writing the book, but what parts were you like, I got to keep this in. This is my part of the story that I have to like, you know, advocate for. What parts were you really strong about? Um, 
So, you know, I say this is loosely, loosely based off of me. So I won't say what parts. Wait, why not? Say, why not? Because it's out. And now you, you've already healed things by fiction. telling us. Because it's fiction. So, okay. you know, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not me, even though it's very obvious Maya is, is so much like me. But what makes real love so interesting is that, or at least for me and therapeutic in a way is when I wrote real love, with the help of Alexa Martin, because I totally believe in shouting out your ghostwriters. Um, there were so there were certain things that I couldn't say when I was writing Miss Me With That, which is my memoir, that I wanted to explore in a fictional way during this book. There's certain ways I couldn't write about certain people. And so it's a culmination of characters. It's certain events that have happened. But what I also wanted to explore is that people didn't know me before I was on The Bachelorette. They met me, or The Bachelor, they met me as a contestant on The Bachelor. Mm -hmm. They knew I was a lawyer, that's it. They didn't know that much about me. So this book picks up from that life. So friends who knew me before are like, oh my gosh, I know what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. I know that, I know that Rachel. I mean, I'm still that Rachel, but it's just meeting me when I was at a different place in my life. For sure. And so I wanted to explore the fictional side of that. So yeah, like, there's, there's no, there's not one thing in the book. There's not one event where I'm like, that's exactly what happened to me. Right, right, right. But there are characteristics of certain characters. There are names of things used. Okay, this is your big Easter egg. There are names <laughs> of things used in the book that are of my, of real life folk, mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if they read it, they'd be like, oh my gosh. Did she just they, said my name. And did they, did you send it's not one? No, 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 no. Okay. No. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I love that. I mean, immediately when I was reading it, I was thinking, gosh, what part of Rachel's story was healed through Maya's story? Like what parts did you get to, whether mm. you get to spot it, where did you get to heal through her journey? Cause her journey was gorgeous. That's such a good question. I mean, Maya you know, going back to the reason of writing the book, I almost was, was Maya. I almost said no to an experience that has changed my entire life in the best way. Mm. And because I was so close to saying no, I always wondered, well, what if I had said no? And what would that look like? So this was healing, almost a full circle healing moment for me to explore the what if. Mm. But with Maya, when Kai comes into her life, that's kind of how I felt, you know, it's a culmination of things. The, the Bachelor, Brian, you know, self-love, like Kai represents so much. And so mm -hmm. the meeting of Kai and the way that that journey plays out, the way that that storyline plays out, that is healing. Mm -hmm. That was, he represents healing in the book mm. to me. I yeah. love that. I love But not him. just as a person. Right. Just for the way he shows, he opens up Maya's eyes. He does, he opens up doors for her and helps her see herself in a way that she never did before. It changes her relationships with people. It changes her work relationships, her actual relationship, her friends, her sister, family. It's so much. So Kai is healing in the book. Yeah. When you think back on the version of Rachel right before you did go on The Bachelor, what were you scared of then? And do any of those things still come up? Um, yes, they still come up. And what I was scared of, I was scared of everything. Because mm. for so long in my life, I had lived the life I was supposed to live. I did what I was supposed to. I got the job I said I would. I was dating the guy who checked all the boxes and was great on paper and was the dream guy that I wanted. Um, I you know, had the re a certain relationship with my family. I didn't really ruffle any feathers because I was the good girl who was you know following the path that was laid out for her. Mm. And so I knew that if I said yes to the show, I was kind of saying no to all of that. I was doing, my friends wanted me to go on the show, so that didn't change. But my family was scared because there was so much unknown with it and everything that I did was known. Everything I did was perfectly planned, very right. much like Maya, very tight right. Um There was this whole thing of, of my privacy 
wasn't private. And we're a very private family and we don't tell our business and we don't put ourselves out there in a very public way. Mm. So there was the fear of that. There was the fear of losing my job. There was the fear of what people would say. Could I still be a lawyer? There was a fear of my exes, what they would think of me. Mm. There was a fear of what America would think of me. Um, There was just so, but the biggest thing I would say is just the fear of the unknown was the biggest thing. Taking a risk, a risk like I had never done before. That's what I was scared of the most, and the judgment that that would come that would come with that, because I was doing for the first time what I wanted to do, as opposed to what I felt like I had been told to do my whole life, and that still comes up. You know, that's like ingrained in you. If you were raised that way, you still have that voice of your parents or religion or career, whatever it may be in the back of your mind, because it's been so a part of you uh, for such a long time. So it still comes up. I still fear disappointing. That's another thing, disappointing my family, friends, my parents, my job, that all of that still comes up in decisions that I make. Hmm. Oh my God. I deeply relate to that. It's crazy. You're the middle daughter, right? Yes. Proud. (laughs) I'm the first daughter and the first child. And so that, you know, disappointing your parents, trying to follow a path. I definitely went off path pretty early. I'm grateful that there was room for that. But whatever path I went went on, it still was like, okay, I, I'm going to go on this path, but I promise you I'm going to do it real, real, real good. You know, it's like that real, <laughs> whatever that is, yeah. right? That doesn't even, I know that. no one even knows what good or bad is. And I think like when you say that you're ingrained, do you know if you can think back to a time in your childhood where like that good girl or goodness started kind of like building and you kind of started identifying as that that girl and now woman? Well, being the middle child means I saw the eldest child make mistakes and I was like, well, that's not going to be me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be better than that. Mm-hmm. So that that's something that just happens when you're one of the younger siblings because you see that and you know, there's just this desire in you, at least it was for me. And I think this is also a lot for middle children, this desire to please and and to do right and make your parents so proud. Mm. And so I remember being little, I was seven when I said that I wanted to be an attorney like my dad. Mm. And so I, there was joy in that because my other sisters weren't talking about following in their father's footsteps or even their mother's footsteps. So I was like, you know, immediately once I proclaimed that and stuck to that, I, you know, there was this desire to be like my dad and to be good for him. And so mm-hmm. I could accomplish things in the same kind of way that he did. My dad said that when he was younger, his father said to him, like, I don't know, he must have come home. Like, I got a good grade. I got a good grade. And my my grandfather was like, you're Lindsay. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the mentality that I grew up under as a child. Well, you're a Lindsay. That's what you're supposed to do. And so you you are constantly trying to achieve that. Well, Lindsay's achieved greatness. Lindsay's are good. Lindsay's don't have any drama. They're not public with their information. They keep things private. They work hard. They do what they're supposed to. And that has was instilled in me at a very young age. So yeah, I'd, I've always remember trying to please, even, even as... Um, I ran summer track starting at age six Mm. and Mm. I saw how much joy that brought my dad. My parents would come to my track meets. I ran the quarter. My dad would always be there at the 300 mark yelling for me to kick it and bring it in. And and he was so excited about it. So I would get so excited about it. And I was like, I wanted to please my dad. So yeah, just at a very young age, I wanted to be good. I wanted to do well and I wanted to be better than my other sisters. There was that competition. Oh my God. I feel all of this. It's crazy. Cause like, you know, you mean well and you, and your parents mean well in this camaraderie of like, yeah. I'm so proud of you. Like, and you don't know when we're so proud of you starts becoming like making you proud is now my entire motivation. Me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's so da- yeah. it's dangerous, but you don't know how to stop it. You know, like I've genuinely thought right. about parents really do mean their best when they're saying that to their children, how would they have done it differently? Would they have been like, you make me proud, but like, don't feel like you have to, like how would they have do it? Right. right. And I still want to make my parents proud. Of you course. know, was, even, even when I went on the bachelor, I would never have gone if my job told me I had to quit. Mm. My, thankfully I had a, 
I worked at a place, shout out to Cooper and Scully, where my boss was extremely supportive of that decision. Mm-hmm. And so that was always in my mind too when I was on the show. It's like, don't embarrass yourself. You know, you got to go back to work. You've got a name to uphold. You got a profession to uphold. Right, um, right. You're representing a whole firm here. Right. So I, yeah, like I, I, I forgot where I was going with that, but um, I would, I was saying I would not have gone on the show if, um, if I hadn't, you know, still been able to keep my job. And I remember right. saying to my parents, don't worry, I'm going to come back. I'm still going to work. I'm still going to be a lawyer. I'm not going to give it up. So when I did decide I'm going to let it go, I'm going to keep my license, but I'm going to stop practicing. I just remember, you know, like my dad being like, well, what are you going to do and how are you going to do it? And I was like, I can always go back and be a lawyer, but I have to try this. And so part of my motivation still was I'm going to make my parents proud. They're going to be proud that I trusted my gut and I still was able to please them with the things that I accomplished. And now you would think this was my parents' idea. (laughs) Oh yeah, I told you to go on that show and step out and achieve your dreams. Yes, you would think they... (laughs) They Girl, were the isn't that hilarious when you're like, hey, I'm going to move to LA. I'm going to try this new thing. And they're exactly. like, we don't know what that means. How are you going to feed yourself? You get a super <laughs> job that they love and they can tell their friends about. And it's a whole other story. They're like, uh-uh, what do you mean you're going to come back to Houston? I literally told my parents, like, I'm thinking of coming to Houston. They're like, why? I love what you're saying. And I definitely relate to that. And I wonder with the amount of what I would consider the risk you've now taken is your threshold for risk, has it increased completely? Like, do you still have those second thoughts when you're taking a risk? Or if you're like, no, no, every risk is like, I have evidence that I can do this. I wish I could say that now I'm like, I am such a risk taker. No, and that's part of the reason I love talking about it because I have to, you know, remind myself what what it did for me back in 2016 when I said, yes, now every risk that you take does not always result in, in, success mm. but the reward when it does is just so great and and but I still wouldn't define myself as a risk taker mm. even moving to LA I remember when we were off the show Brian wanted to move to LA and I was like no because I don't have a job mm. and I'm not going to just move to LA and figure it out yeah. that's not me <laughs> We came to Dallas. I was working. Brian got licensed to work in um, Texas, and that's what we did. Yeah. And th- and then at that point, I was our, I was like working full time as an attorney still, but then on, I was freelancing on the side. Mm. So I had to get to a certain place where I was like, okay, I'm comfortable enough. It's still a risk, but it's not like I never dive in head first. Right. And I don't. I just don't know if I ever will. I mean, I guess I did with the Bachelor, but again. I knew I was going to keep my job at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Diving head first would have been to lose my job and just go for it. Right, right. No, so no, I'm, no, a, no. I'm a risk taker with um, boundaries, <laughs> if that's even really a thing. But I, but I do. I will say I am more comfortable than I was before, mm. um, and I do still take risk, you know. But just they're they're slightly calculated. More calculated, yeah. Slightly. Yeah, that's like what I really appreciate about Maya. She wasn't necessarily going to do like a 360. She did do a 180, but she wasn't like, yo, I'm about to be completely different because I think she just had a few new lessons to learn. But it's like who she was at her core was beautiful. And that's what I love that Kai saw in her. And what yeah. I what I grabbed a lot from the book was like, we overcommit to the plan. We really overcommit to the plan. Now, there's a version of overcommitting to the plan that's like, I'm committed because I believe that this is going to work out. And I, yes, I'm having an insecure moment, but I know this is going to work out, right? Versus I'm being impatient and really I need to give this up because like, this isn't really the plan I want. So I don't know for you in your experience, if you figured out what's the difference between knowing like, okay, this is, I know I've I, I keep turning other things down to say yes to this, but there's a reason, there's a faith, there's like, there's this, or I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to try something else. Yeah, I think I'm always going to. Fear is just, I always say fear is the root of all evil. It is within us. It holds us back from, from doing so many things, which this book ex, you know, explores the what if. What if I had let fear hold me back. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we're as human beings, we're constantly in this place of wondering, what would we do if we weren't fearful? And so I kind of use those moments in like this moment in my life where I almost said no to check myself of, okay, but what am I exactly afraid of? And right. what is on the other side of that fear? Is it a is it rejection? Right. Okay, you've been there before. You know, is it disappointment? Is it whatever it is? Mm. 
it's it's gonna be okay whatever is on the other side of it would you rather live in a place of knowing that hey it didn't work out on that end or would you rather live in a place of wondering i wonder what would happen like i think it sucks to live in a place of wondering like that's it's almost like being in a cage yes. because you just don't know and you're too and that's how i felt before being on the show like i felt like i was in a cage um what was the first part you said oh about saying yes and trusting your gut mm -hmm. i um i i my gut carried me through reality tv Hands down, there's nothing else. Everything else was stripped away from me. Mm. Family, friends, phone, internet, TV, all of it. All I had was me, what I wanted, who I was. That's why I say on reality TV, if you really tap into it, you can learn a lot about yourself. It can be very positive. Mm. But I knew what I wanted and all I could do was trust me, what I was feeling, you know, balanced with my own morals and values and what I desire, I truly desired for myself, not worrying about what the audience was going to say, what my family and friends were going to say, just what Rachel wanted. Yeah. Um, that trusting that has gotten me as far as it did. And I remember one of the things my mom said to me, the last thing she said to me before I got my phone taken away was trust your gut. Mm. And I did that. And so then I had to give that back to her when it was over. And she's like, wait a minute, you are, you're actually engaged. This is a real thing. And I said, you told me to trust my gut. So now I need you to trust me oh. on the decisions that I'm making. Yeah. So I think I answered your question. Yeah. But if I, mean, I didn't. I, no, you did. You did. Because it's like, you know, we're all finding our way of doing it. And I asked, what was your way of doing it? What was your way of really figuring out the difference between I'm over committing to this and I'm afraid or like, no, I actually have to take yeah. this risk. And I think your whole journey is that. And that's why, again, like the whole time I'm reading this book, I'm like, what did Rachel go through? Like, I just have so many, I just was, I was in love with what it really takes to be an adult and how many times we think and think and overthink and we try. And sometimes we got to throw it all away and do something completely different. And I was like, if this is not life, <laughs> I don't know what else is. Yeah, you know what it is? I don't even know if it's, I did, and I talk about it in my memoir, I went through a lot, especially in my last relationship, the, the five-year relationship. I went through a lot mm -hmm. and I wanted to explore some of that in the, in the character of Maya, but it wasn't even that I went through, you know, like this huge traumatic thing. I think what was traumatic for me was the awakening. Mm. It really was like, I woke up at 31 and I was like, whose life am I living? I have the career I want, check, but I do not feel fulfilled. Mm. I find myself staring out of the window more, wondering about a different career path than, than you know, like in, fully commit, being passionate about the career that I've wanted for such a long time. I'm in this relationship that I know is going nowhere, but I'm refusing to read the writing on the wall mm. because I'm so afraid to lose something that I've committed so much of myself to that I feel like it's even become my identity and I've probably lost myself in this relationship. I am too afraid to start over. And it was that knock on the door of someone saying, you should go on The Bachelor that I laughed at at first, but then I thought, is this the escape that I need? Mm. What if this gives me a freedom to just go away from all of this so I can figure it out? Also, I was in therapy at the time. So therapy was helping me realize certain things. I started it to impress the guy that I was with and it ended up teaching me that I need to leave that relationship. So I ended up saving myself instead of that relationship. Mm. But um, that's what it was for me. This book, you know, it, and you see Maya go through that. It's an awakening of, what have I been doing all these years? Right. And you don't even realize it because you're doing everything you said you were going to do. And that is an accomplishment. So you think you're doing what you're supposed to do until you're like, but am I? Mm. Am I? That's what this book is. And I just, the more I talk about it, I'm like, so many people are at that crossroads in their life or have this feeling of just unfulfilled or this this insatiable appetite for more but they can't quite put their finger on it that's this book yeah now we saw how maya and vaughn broke up in the book but since you brought up this five-year relationship how did y'all break up in real life it's weird <laughs> because in in real life it's not like it's not as dramatic as that right um 
in real life, you know, and I don't know, you know, Stacey, if you've ever been in one of those relationships where it's just not the same and you're holding on, but you really don't even know what you're holding on to. You're going through the motions and we lit, we didn't live in the same city. So it was even easier to become distant. Mm. He had a really demanding job and I had a demanding job and our schedules also just really did not align. None of our life aligned, but I kept hoping. And I think he did too, that we would eventually come together. Mm. So we broke up officially. Like we didn't see each other for Christmas. That wasn't normal. We didn't see each other for New Year's. That wasn't normal. And that was the first time that that had happened. And then I just remember saying like, what is happening? It was on Valentine's Day. And I've always hated Valentine's Day. So add to it. I hate Valentine's Day even more. And um, we just had a conversation. I was like, what is this? What's going on? And he was like, I don't know. And I said, well, you know what? If after five years, you don't know what's going on and you don't. And I was kind of like, where are we going? Where is this headed? And his answer was, I don't know. I just was like, well, if you don't know, then we don't need to do this anymore because we should know something. You should either be able to say, no, I don't want this or yes, I do. And we broke up and I and I was like devastated, even though I was like, well, then we need to end it. But I was. <laughs> But at the same time, I was like, no, don't of end course. it. I remember I was crying at work. I started crying in my boss's office at work at one point. I mean, it just was, it was, it was a lot. And then, sorry, my dog, Copper, he loves to make an appearance. Um, excuse him, everybody. Uh, but, and then we still were in each other's lives. And I remember, I'm really getting into it now. And I really never talked about this. Um, we, I remember a couple of months later, I could not stop thinking about him and, I just, I think I texted him that. And then we started talking again. Mm. And this is like spring, summer. Sorry, I almost made a housewives reference. Just said spring, summer joggers. <laughs> anyway, it was spring, summer. And we started talking every day. And it was like old times. And he came to see me. And we were really felt like we was in a relationship again. All while, mind you, I had gone to a tryout at this point for The Bachelor. So it was taking a risk to jump back into that relationship. Mm. But on the side, I was like, just in case it doesn't, I'm going on The Bachelor. So I went all through The Bachelor motions all while still pursuing this relationship. And I don't want to say what they do, but in August, things get busy again for them. And, um, and I remember it went right back to the distance, to it being cold, and it got weird. And I was like, you know what? I'm going on the show. And I let him know, and I text him, and I said, hey, I'm going on the show. And um, he, his response was, well, don't mention my name. Like, not, why are you going, why are you? Why are you going on the show? Like, how dare you do this? Um, wait, I thought we were working on something. It was like, huh, okay, well, just make sure you don't mention my name. And I was like, okay. And then he texted me 24 hours later and just ripped me apart for oh. wanting to go on this show. How dare you do this? You obviously don't honor the sanctity of marriage. If you're going to go on a show like this, you're not the woman that I thought you were. Just really guilty me. And I'm like, you don't even want me, but you want to stop me from going on this show. Mm -hmm. So it's funny that it's like, oh, you don't honor the sanctity of marriage. Yet I married a guy and we're going strong from the show, you know, eventually for being the bachelorette. And you know, like you were telling, you were holding me back, which was very, very much so symbolic of our relationship. But yet, you also didn't want to give me enough and commit to me mm. at the same time. You wanted to, you wanted me to hang on, but you weren't going to ever give me anything, ever. And he cheated on me, but I cheated on him too. So that's the, that's, you know, that came out of my memoir. So it's just we were not good for each other. Girl. <laughs> we when Maya had when she cheated back, was that was that really what we had to deal with? Yeah. I mean, you know, the timeline is different because because in, in the book, it's a yeah. college situation and they just kind of move on and forget about it, which actually, no, there's it wasn't college for us. But because like, we weren't dating when we were in college it was is, is after. But um, no, uh, there when I did find out something that wasn't right, we did just kind of move on from it very quickly. And I do think that when someone cheats on you, you feel like, or at least I did, and Maya's explores in the book, you feel like, oh, I'm going to get you back. 
And so, yeah, there's mm. a little bit of that in there for sure. For sure. Girl, first of all, thank you for sharing. Yeah. I feel like so many people can relate to the relationship you're in that you really want to make work and you just can't release it yet, you know, and it's the knowing that I want people to be comfortable and confident enough to trust. Your knowing is enough. You don't have to think or believe that this is the the furthest you can go mm -hmm. when you are getting nothing. Mm -hmm. This is not, this isn't the height of who you are. So thank you for sharing yeah. that. And it, it just makes me think, because again, you have so many layers to your journey. What's the last thing you forgave yourself for, for the first time? I mean, the last thing I forgave myself for, for the first time, oof, I don't know. Stacy, I don't know. If you said what's the last thing I forgave myself for, I would say the wing stop that I ate last night. But for the, <laughs> but that but I've done that many times. I am extremely hard on myself. Um mm. in a way that I, I think a lot of type A people are this way, right? We're we're very unforgiving mm -hmm. of ourselves. Like we know better, we should mm -hmm. do better. And that kind of stems mm -hmm. from you know, call it childhood trauma or not, but me talking about, well, you're a Lindsay, that's what you're supposed to do. So I don't know if I really give myself the permission <laughs> to forgive me when I do something. Mm. And maybe that's why it's so mm. hard for me to have an answer. Yeah. Trust me, I, I understand. I'd love to give you the permission right now to forgive yourself if there's anything that you feel like you have been really hard on yourself. Just like that, I remember something. Oh, beautiful. Um, or, or maybe I'm going to do it. I'm going to forgive myself now as I'm saying it. I have not forgiven myself. Um, in 2023, I've said that I'm really going to start prioritizing me and the personal more than I have before. And I think as women, we, you know, like we can take on a lot. And we just get things, mm. especially black women. We just get things done. We don't make excuses. We just figure it out. And I think that is in our genes, right? That is passed down to us. We just figure things out. Um, mm -hmm. And I love to work. And I've been working since I was 11 years old, playing piano in Sunday school at church. And it gives me life. But I realized that part of certain other things and other goals that I have personally are suffering because of that. And mm -hmm. so I said that I was going to invest in me and prioritize me um, in 2023. And that means on the family side of things. And, you know, as you get mm -hmm. older, you think, you think that you think that things will like, you have this plan and you're like, okay, when I get this done, I'll do this. And so I'm going to work, work, work. And then I'm going to start preparing for a family and it's, it, it'll be good. Like I can get pregnant just like that. And then it just doesn't happen that way. And so mm. I have to forgive myself because the part of me is like, so when it doesn't happen the way that you want to, you start to blame yourself. Of, well, if I hadn't put my career, if I hadn't done this, you know, like, would this have come easier? And so I am going to give myself mm. the permission of saying, like, it's okay. You were doing things as they were supposed to go. Everybody's timeline, everybody's journey is different. So I'm giving myself the permission to forgive myself of not prioritizing, you know, the personal. But I am now. So I'm going to give myself permission for that for the first time. Cause I haven't, I don't know if I've forgiven myself for that. I've just, I kind of blame myself. So I'm going to forgive. Yeah. I love that. I love that Lindsay. I'm so happy to hear you be able to have that moment for yourself. Cause it's, it's not easy. It's not a balance. Mm. Actually, have heard you mention that you wanted to prioritize having a family this year. Mm -hmm. And I, I related because this is my year of prioritizing love. Like I really oh. am excited for love. I think love is gorgeous and beautiful. And I've been on the career journey for a while and you're like, this don't mean anything without yeah. love. And so I've absolutely mentally and physically and just spiritually been preparing myself for that. And I love that you were able to have that moment as well. So for you with prioritizing family, for one, how are you mentally preparing yourself for that? Like, what does that well, look like? How are you walking through those steps? I am mentally preparing by saying it out loud and having other people keep me honest because I think I'm slowing down with work, but then I'm not. If you saw the craziness that I had to get through today just to, you know, like to be 
present for this, it's it's wild. So I'm I'm I have to keep saying it because then it becomes real. I know what it is to brush it under mm. the rug and just say, oh, I'll get to that in a second. I don't want to get to it in a second. I want to get to it right now. So mentally, it is speaking it into existence. Mm-hmm. Um, also, mm-hmm. I'm very aware that I do that I I don't feel stressed, but I'm obviously internalizing stress because there's just no way you can keep up the schedule and not be stressed. So I'm putting measures in place. Like I'm working with a friend, Kimberly Snyder, on getting my mind, body, and spirit right to relax. To be right to to be open to a place where I can prepare my body because I think as as long as I'm tightly wound like this, I think that's been part of my problem as well. Um, so I'm, I'm mm. putting those measures in place. I'm trying to meditate more. I'm trying to work on my breathing more. I'm trying to work out more. Um, and instead of just work, 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 I'm saying no to things. I'm saying no. Yeah. I've got to carve yeah. out this time for an appointment. Um, you know, I'm working with a doctor. I've, I've, there's certain things that I'm doing where I'm like, nope, I've got to put this first, even if it makes you upset, yeah. even if it makes you think that I'm yeah. not as dedicated as before, because what I am dedicated is to myself and to Brian and to what we want um, in our future. So that's kind of yeah. the main thing, though, is, is saying it out loud. So people could be like, oh, where yes. are you on that? And I'm like, you're right. Right. <laughs> People who love you and want you to get what you are saying that you want to get as well. Yeah. And I just, to that point of being tightly wound, what do you think it is? You think it's like success is in front of me and I, and this is my time. So I don't want to fumble the bag while I have this time. Do you think, cause even you just said like you thinking I'm less dedicated. It's like, you're clearly dedicated, Rachel. Why do we have to keep reminding people you're dedicated? This industry <laughs> like, will make you feel. You think that is? This industry will make you feel like if you take one day off, you're gonna be ten years behind, and it's it goes back to fear. It's the fear of that. It's not being confident mm. enough in your talent and your skills or relationships that you made that will carry you through. Um, I see, anytime I see a working mom, I'm always like, oh girl, you give me hope. You let me know that like, I won't be forgotten that I can keep, you know, I can Mm. do both. It's not having it all. It's just, you know, maybe prioritizing certain things and like, you can do both. You know, sometimes you'll be great at this and sometimes you'll, you'll be bad at this and certain things will suffer, but you can have those things that you want. Uh, so it really comes back to the fear of that. Like I will be forgotten. Somebody will take my spot. That's the fear of if if I, you know, take maternity leave. If I do become a mom and I have to say no because that child is sick or has a performance or you know whatever it may be, um, yeah, it's the it's the fear of that. It's the fear. I I feel you. And and when you, I'm assuming that you've expressed that fear to your partner and to Brian. What does he respond with that? I mean, because low key, if he's like. Okay, cool. You know, like if we really think, okay, Rachel, you never do a carpet again, or you never do this yeah. again. Let's just think about it. How how would that really make you feel? Currently, that's another story, but <laughs> we can't get it. I'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> but um, okay. no, I. How would it make me feel? I mean, I, I if I'm really honest, I would feel left out. I would feel like I was missing something. But to answer your question about how Brian responds to it, Brian is the most supportive person ever. And, you know, Mm. when I'm having a rough day, when I'm questioning myself, when I'm, when I'm struggling with, you know, the next steps and and what to do or making sacrifices, Brian is, will listen and support and just really be like, whatever you want to do, whatever you need. One thing I will say is as much as he wants a family as much as I do, but he has never pressured me He's never made me feel guilty. He has always been proud and supportive of the things that I've been able to accomplish on the career side. And it's kind of like, we want the same things. And when you're ready, you'll be ready and we'll figure it out. Like he has been so great about that. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, you said it was another story. I'm like, what's the story, girl? I'm tired. I mean, not even that way. I'm tired. That's what that is. I need a break. The low key break. You have done so. I'm like, hey, that's why. That's probably why I heard you so clearly as a woman in this industry, as a black woman, as a hustler, all the things, right? When you said somebody would think you're less dedicated, that's why I was like, wait, who would say that? Though no, who? And they would they be right. Do. They they do. Like 
the you feel like the moment you say no that you know like you just killed someone it feels that way because you just feel like you always have to be on call and ready and it's have you tried have you tried well, no have you said no well, i say no all the time now <laughs> I okay. say no okay. all the time okay Okay. Because the, I was like, let's get you some practice so we can see. Because the yes, and you learn this, the yes, it only satisf satisfies the moment right then. And then it's quickly forgotten yeah. on the next thing. So you got to put yourself first. And I'm learning to put myself first. So no, I say no all the time. Yeah. No Good. longer afraid Good. of the no. Like there is. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, it's, it's this you know, know how much I believe in balance. Like I work through, right, <laughs> like, right. I love the word balance. I think it's a gorgeous word, mm -hmm. but I'm like, is it true? I'm not sure. Is no. it, is, can it all happen at the same time? No, I don't think so. Like, I think there are stages for everything. Yeah. yeah. And that's just, yeah. you know, more of what I'm learning. The work-life balance. Yeah, so more I, people are saying that that's not, I feel like as women, we're the only ones who are asked about a work-life balance. I saw Gabrielle Union talk about that one time. And it's so unfair. Mm -hmm. Why don't men have to mm -hmm. balance it? Why don't they have to figure it out? It's so annoying. Yeah. No, it's not you. It's not you. It's definitely something that I think a lot of women relate to that I have personally, like, you know, as that's what I'm saying, like, that I, that's why I specifically asked you, what are you mentally doing to prepare mm -hmm. for that? Because as women, it's a shift. We don't get to be like, okay, cool. I'm going to just add this right. on. Because right. adding on a family or adding on love is you have to remove something. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like you don't get to, because physically and mentally and spiritually, the woman, the design of a woman literally has to be in a different like space. And so trust me, I understand. I think a lot of women will relate to that. And I actually think there are a lot of men who would have a better answer, but they're never asked. Never. They're just never asked. Like there are a lot of men who also are like, dude, I, I balance. <laughs> I, I think about this. Nobody ever asked them. They just expect that they don't have to do it. You know what? I'm start asking men that i'm gonna be like let's talk about your work-life balance yes girl ask <laughs> i'm gonna do that to van on the podcast oh my god podcast. i actually can't wait for you to do that to on the podcast. not how's your weekend how's your work-life balance <laughs> girl i actually cannot wait because you guys interview amazing guests van is a great friend of mine as well and like i definitely look because like that i mean men are balancing like we're all balancing but what the expectation and the nature and the way we see a woman for balancing versus men it's just a different yeah. thing so anyway <laughs> yeah i just i love that we are <laughs> calling all yes. i i feel like a lot of what I also discover through not just the book, but even your life of like where women can take radical responsibility in their dating. Mm -hmm. Some of it is where they are in a dating relationship where it's like, this is not for me and I'm not being radically responsible for the fact that it's not for me, mm -hmm. or this is for me and I'm not being radical responsible to either not keep it, but like to prioritize right. it. They're both can exist. Right. Where do you think women can take, take more responsibility there? Ooh, I mean, I think a lot of times I'll do the former of what you just said, because that was me, that was Maya. And I think it's a lot of us. And it's something that I go back to where I said, we just figure it out, right? By nature, we are fixers. And there, every relationship I had up until Brian, and even some of my relationships on The Bachelorette were, okay, I see your heart. I see you're a good person. I can fix it. And that's just going to make the story so much better. And we know it's not worth it. Rather than just be adored and be with that person who knows who you are, who they are and what they want and how great you can be together, too often we know the relationship is done and over with. We feel it in our gut, but we want to fix it and make it work. And I think we have to stop doing that. If the writing is on the wall, read it. You know, girl, you know that too often we make excuses for our men. We do mm. it. We just do. I, I don't know what is in I do it. I'm guilty of it. We make excuses. Oh, no, mm. it's this. It's this. This is where that famous saying of he's just not that into you comes into play because men it's, it really is almost black and white. We're the ones who are like, but it's if I did this, it's this. And oh, it's because it's this. They're not thinking about that. It is what it is with them. And so we, right. I, I think we could be a lot happier. I think we could save our, ourselves a lot of time, heartache, stress. If we just stop making excuses, if we just stop trying to fix these men and we worry about fixing ourselves, getting right with ourselves. And when we do that, we will be ready to receive what is coming to us, what, what is for us, because that other stuff isn't. 
Girl. Yes. Well said. Well said. Well said. That came, that came, that speech came from my 20s. Stop. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) You were like, no, no, no. Let me throw some experience on there. Like, let me give you what it is. I, yes, I think that was so beautifully said. And I definitely think women can hear that and recognize wherever they are in whatever relationship they are. I I have to piggyback off of like getting yourself right, Mm -hmm. getting yourself Mm -hmm. right. Because whatever you are is what you attract. Absolutely. That's that's a hard reality sometimes for all of us as human beings, whatever we are, we attract. Mm -hmm. So I love that. What are you in your journey right now? What are you on the other side of? Like, let's say there's a big testimony or some period of your life, any period of your life that you really thought you weren't going to make it through. I know you've been through a lot of I call them like trials and tribulations, I guess is one of the easier phrase because I there's so many highs, there's so many lows. And there's part of those where you're like, I didn't think this was going to change. And then it changed. Hmm. What is something that you recognize now that you're on the other side of? I mean, to go back to the whole reason of writing this book, I never thought that I would be on the other side of, I never thought I would like release the cage bird. I never thought that I would be strong enough or fearless enough to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this for me. I never Mm -hmm. thought that I could be selfish about my own wants and desires. So that's one thing that I feel like I'm on the other side of. Um, Also just being able to taking that further. So that happened. That was a moment that I, that happened almost seven years ago. But then I got to a point where I was still saying yes in so many things. And so I got to the point of, and I remember someone said to me, you just got to say that first no. Once you say that first no, all the mother knows you're going to, you just got to do it. And once you do it, and I remember I was in a hotel room where I had a full on breakdown of being so fearful about saying no to a career in something with my career. And I was so afraid of like how I would be thought of and you know, of disappointing people and feeling like I wasn't dedicated enough or I worked, didn't work hard enough or I didn't want it or my priority was, was in, in another place and, or I wasn't loyal. And I was like, so, I mean, I was like sobbing, really breaking. It's like everything mm-hmm. came to a head, one of those breakdowns. And then when I finally said the no, I was like, it was euphoric. I felt amazing. And then after that, Nope, 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 nope to everybody. <laughs> nope. Uh, you know what? I'm not really feeling that. Nope. I'm okay. You know, right. that and I'll and I remember what that person had said to me. The when you are able to say that first no in a particular situation, you and you see that you're gonna be okay. You didn't lose your job, you didn't lose the relationships, you didn't disappoint. It was fine. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, don't get carried yeah. away with the nose, but I realized I was gonna be okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say mm-hmm. the last thing is, um, you know, what I just about family planning, you know, I was very quick to, to brush it under the rug. Oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I get to it. I get to it. And now I'm past the getting to it. I'm actually taking actions to commit to that. And I was, a part of me was scared. Mm. It's scary when you wait till, and I hate to do this to us, but sadly, you know, it's true. I, I don't want to talk about a biological clock and I'm learning to not say that. That's something I'm working on with mind, body, and spirit. But when you haven't sure. checked your egg count because you didn't freeze your eggs, when you haven't checked to see what state it is, you know, why isn't it happening naturally for me? That's scary. And when I finally made the decisions to commit to that, i And I'm on the other side of it. I'm like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Mm. Even if I hadn't received the news that I wanted, there are other options and it's okay. So those three things, I feel like I'm like, the moral of the story is you're going to be all right when you're on the other side. Yeah. Ooh, life is such a journey. Like it is just such a, you, you know, the, the and that's why I thank you for sharing those uh-huh. things. And truly that question is one of my favorite questions of like, what's the thing you really didn't think you'd get through? Because to talk about it on the other side, not only does it help somebody else, but it reminds you of like where you were when you thought about that. No, when you sat there and you really did not think there was the other side and then you watch yourself experience another version of yourself. Like that's, Mm-hmm. That's how amazing we are as human beings. We can't, it is going to be okay. We can move past yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
What made you say no to that first thing? Do you remember? What was driving you behind that no? Um, I, I had um, something personal. It was a friend's birthday and they had committed to this birth. I mean, they had like been planning this birthday for at least six months. And I was so excited mm. to celebrate them. I planned it out, marked it for months. We literally RSVP'd like four months before. And all of a sudden it was like, no, we need you to do this. This is going to happen. And I was already in a place where I had said yes to things that I probably shouldn't have. And I was, my stress level was at an all time high. I wasn't at home. Mm. I was on the road doing stuff. And I had just hit my breaking point. And I was like, all I want to do is get to this weekend and celebrate friends and have a good time and release. And the wild thing is I said no after like I had called coworkers, I had called my parents. Like it really gets bad when I call my dad and start crying on the phone. <laughs> I had called friends and so I was like, I'm going to say no, because I don't think I can survive a yes. I think I will have a full on breakdown if I say yes. And then I mm. said no. I felt euphoric, as I said. And then that night, I got a phone call that a friend had passed away. And the friend was sick, but the passing away happened a lot sooner than I thought. And I thought if I had said mm. yes, I would have committed to something and I would have missed going to this friend's funeral. Um, and I wouldn't, and I needed, and I needed to go back home for this. And so when I was at that crossroads of like, you know, I wanted to do something personal and celebrate the birthday of a friend. And so I put that over, you know, the, the work pressures that I was feeling. And I said no to that. And then I lost a friend and it just made celebrating that friend even more important and why you need to say yes to the personal, because I lost a friend. And I was thinking about not celebrating another friend. And it just, it was just this whole thing of time is precious. You just don't know how, like when your last day is here. And it made the no even more powerful because mm. work isn't everything, you know? Yeah. Pleasing people yeah. isn't everything. So yeah, yeah, that's why I said no. And, and I'm glad I did. And I was able to go home and celebrate the life of that friend and celebrate the birthday party of a friend. Yeah, mm. the same day actually. Oh my god! We're on a birthday party in the same day. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like, wow, that's life, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. starting and ending, and that is life. And it's just wow. I'm grateful that 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 got to be your story. I'm so grateful for that. Um, you were clearly in your finding your voice era or in your voice bag, personally. I'm like, I hear it, I've experienced it, I'm watching it. I got to ask Janae about it. She's like, baby girl's in her bag. Like, I am, I, I love that. And I, I know that you're navigating multiple spaces and you navigated, you know, you had, you had this fan base and this network and this, you know, franchise and then you're now you know with van and you guys have higher learning and have really authentic voices and great conversations and then you're on access there's multiple areas for you what is the strength between navigating and finding your authentic voice because i don't believe you just like have an authentic voice i do think that you tr it's a trial and error experience mm -hmm. and are you are there still a lot of negative voices that come as you navigate different spaces or is it getting easier how has that been yeah finding the voice i think there's definitely negative voices that creep in. I think the biggest thing about finding your voice is just this self-awareness that comes with it. Mm. So when the negative negativity creeps in, you're aware of what's happening. And it's almost like you have these conversations with yourself. And that came to me through therapy. Self-awareness came through therapy. Um, mm. And I've been in therapy off and on since 2015 because I went for that guy. And, you know, I'm better for it. But I, Amen. yeah, no, for sure. And I think, like I said, I, this conversation you have with yourself, I talk to myself all the time, which an old boss said to me was a sign of genius and insanity. And I'll take that. I'll be both. <laughs> and I, I do think of, you know, when, when I feel something or, you know, it, or whether it's negative or it's, it's, well, I was gonna say, or doubt, which is negative, anything like that. I talk myself out of it. I point like, why am I feeling this way? And what's making me feel that way? And what can I do to overcome it? And what is, what, what is, what am I really doubting? And what am I really scared of with this? And 
I have those conversations in my head all the time, but pointing, pinpointing mm. the exact emotion that I'm feeling helps me find my voice and how to respond to it. Um, and then how to express it, right? How to respond, respond internally to myself and then how to express it. Mm. And I don't always get it right. I'm a firecracker. You know, I'm a Taurus, <laughs> but I'm a cusp Taurus where I'm on that Taurus Aries line. So I got that fire Ooh. and I got that bull in me at the same time. And so I am, I am always a work in progress. And sometimes I do pop off. Mm. And sometimes that finding my voice is having a friend check my voice, right? Let me tell you what I want to say. And you, you know, you have a friend you call for, for certain situations. And so I have that friend who's like, okay, don't say that. Don't do yes. that. And then that helps right. me too. You got to have that strong circle, that strong support system of be like, okay, Rachel, I feel you and you're not wrong, but. Yep. So all of that, you know, like helps me, but I'm not always great at it. You know, that's what a podcast is for, where I pop off and say the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is so real. And shout out to those friends. Oh, I know those friends. I have those friends. You know who you are, Nerva and Precious. You're just the beginning of that list, but I love y'all, my mom. Like mm -hmm. people who just like, hey, hey, it's not that, mm -hmm. but feel yes. you. Let's let's jump it here, and then let's let's do something else. Let's edit the sentence. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my god, this was such a great conversation. Yes. Before I let you go, what is something that you wish people asked you more of? How I'm doing. I, I wish people mm. would ask how I'm doing because I think that when people have an idea of you or they see you on social or they see you on an interview or hear you on a podcast, they think that you have it all together. They think that you're super strong. They think that you're always okay. They think your life is so fun because you're so showing them the fun parts. But sometimes it's like, just ask me how I'm doing, if I'm okay. Cause the answer is not always great. You know, I, sometimes yeah. I'm losing it. I'm dying inside. I'm drowning. Uh, so yeah, it's just like a simple, you know, how are you? Yeah. How are you, Rachel? I'm good. I'm actually really good because what I'm doing right now yeah. is something that I, what I'm about to go do is something that I um, referred to in this podcast or referenced in this podcast. I am going to Miami for literally 28 hours to go, wait, when is this coming out? Cause I'm surprising a friend. So I don't want this to come. I'm doing it this Oh, no, it's okay. Day. Don't worry. It'll come out after this. Thank God. <laughs> for her birthday. I wasn't going to do it. Yay. It's going to be a lot, but I'm like, but man, what a moment to be able to celebrate her. Um, and it's a milestone birthday for her. And so I'm like, I want to do this and, and, and it's going to be great. And will I be a little tired? Sure. But the memories of being able to do this and celebrate her is going to be worth it all. You know, I got a massage book as soon as I land back in LA after 28 hours, I'll be fine, right? I'm gonna be okay on the other side. <laughs> yes, yes, and you thought it through. You thought through your well-being as I well, did, which to. is growth, girl. I had to, thank you. <laughs> Love that. No, we have to call that out, girl. That was growth. Love that. Thank you. Love that. Rachel Lindsay, everybody. Thank you. My God, this was so good. Thank you. Congratulations on your love. Thank you. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm so glad that you and I were able to have this conversation, but also that I hope you found some pockets of healing for yourself, which I, I felt through the book you probably did, but I hope to continue to extend that conversation and be a safe place for you because I was like, wait, this baby girl has a story. Now you've always had a story, but I enjoyed, I truly enjoyed hearing it through a fiction way. I was like, wow, like she really gave us some more of herself. And I, I just hope you recognize what I believe this book is going to do for multiple, for many people, for many women, men, whoever mm -hmm. reads it and just enjoy it. Enjoy like the journey and the recognition of the fact that we can under, we can, we can move the commitment. Yeah. We can replace the yeah. commitment. We can change the commitment. We can try something new. We can throw yes. it away. Yes. So I feel like. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for giving me the space so to feel comfortable enough for allowing me to forgive myself, something that I clearly don't do mm -hmm. often. So I appreciate that. And um, yeah, it was, it was really fun. Of course, of course. Thanks for joining Human to Human, everybody. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, leave a review. For real, y'all, leave a review. That's really helpful. And while you're at it, share this with someone you love or just someone you like, as long as you share it. Stay connected between episodes and follow us on Instagram at human to human with Stacey Ike. That's the number two, not the word two. You can also check me out at One Take Stace. I'm your host, Stacey Ike, and remember, 
Curiosity is the pathway to consciousness, so let's take the next step together. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba. 